You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this third episode of Civil War. Which side are you on? I honestly hope and pray that as you listen to these episodes, you will be changed in some of your behavior, in some of your attitudes and approaches, in the way you deal with other people. And I confess, working in this area, it has made some major differences in my life. It's my prayer that will happen for you also. In the last episode, episode two, I invited you on a journey towards civility. And like I said, for me, this journey has become public through my book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, Jesus. But it's also become public with my relationships with other people. In the last episode, I shared that, in my perception, America is engulfed in a second civil war. It is a battle for civility. And this one is a lot more subtle than the first civil war. It is a lot more hidden. It is a lot harder to measure and to determine and to direct. Don't kid yourself. It is a spiritual battle. In the last episode, I shared my own journey, which began to hit close to home. We began to see civil disobedience in the churches that we were consulting. The first church that I reflected in episode two almost suffered a church split. The youth pastor was let go for no good reason, (laughs) for a really good reason. But to protect the youth leader, the pastor and the board didn't think they should go public with all the details. And if you listen to episode two, you know, and you will learn further in this episode, that to do so would have been slander. And we'll talk about that. So these sensitive issues occur often in churches. Yeah, the mother of this uh, young man who was in the youth group blasted the pastor with an accusatory email copied to 25 others. And the pastor, sadly, made the terrible mistake that because it came by email, it should go back by email, which is absolutely unprofessional. We have to learn the various tools, the right tools to use when we communicate, especially when the heat is on, when it's an emotional issue, when it's a sensitive issue. You have all sorts of tools for communication in our world today. Make sure you choose the right one and use it in the right way. So in that church, after the pastor responded and added a bunch of other people that were copied the email, the church was just about divided, about exploded. 
and that's when the pastor called for emergency help from my colleague and my boss, Tracy Swank, a church doctor. And then I, I mentioned in the last episode that I had this situation in a church I consulted in Southern California where a woman just misunderstood something I said. And, you know, that happens. It doesn't matter how many churches I've consulted, how many degrees I have after my name, how many books I've written. That doesn't make any difference. I can misspeak, and I can speak correctly but be misunderstood. There's all sorts of options for disaster. And it happens all the time. It happens every day. That's not the point. The point is how we respond. So this woman who misunderstood or I wasn't clear, she persisted and convinced the church to cancel the oral report for their consultation. In other words, she was allowed to behave badly and to damage her entire church. And the pastor either didn't have the training or the emotional strength to help us help that woman do the right thing. It was awful. I have consulted about 1,600 churches in the United States alone. And this has never, ever happened. Working with churches in 78 different denominations, some independent churches and non-denominational congregations, churches of all sizes, never, ever happened. But you know what? It's not just this one woman or just the pastor who failed his role. But I think our society is influencing people to behave badly. Because it's so public, it's so common, people subconsciously think it's okay. It's not okay. And it's not okay with Jesus. And it's not okay because it doesn't work. It disrupts. It's disrespectful. I believe this civil disobedience is creeping into churches. I think it's creeping into schools, universities. I think it's creeping into your life and mine. It's a disease. And it will destroy a nation if we don't figure it out. I also mentioned in our last episode that I wrote a free Bible study, and I'd like you to get it. I'd like you to share it with everybody at your church. It's free, and it's short. It's not that long, but it's just basic. You can get it at our website. It's called Email Mania, and we think every church should have every member read through that Bible study that's just on the basics of civility. And we think that any new member that comes to the church should have that in the packet of information. And we believe that every preacher should occasionally preach on the subjects in that Bible study. If the church can't help the nation, I'm not sure that the nation will ever help itself. So in this episode, we will focus on some of the elements of incivility, gossip, slander, 
and libel. Now, before I go into any of these, I want to ask you, if you would just stop listening right now and take a piece of paper and write out these three words, gossip, and then below that, slander, and then below that, libel, and write a definition for each one. Could you do it without looking at a dictionary or without listening to the rest of this episode? <laughs> um, I myself wasn't very clear about this before I studied it. I understood gossip really well, but not so much about slander and libel. These very important definitions of behavior are so essential, non-negotiable, to not to be able to clearly articulate what they mean. So, in this episode, let's unpack these. Let's start with gossip. Gossip <laughs> is a relational killer. You talk about people who kill people, people who use guns to kill people, people who use knives to kill people. Gossip is a relational killer. It causes so much heartache, so much stress, so many sleepless nights. The physical and emotional and spiritual health of people, the disruption of politicians and leaders and congresses, the disruption of marriages, families, extended families, church families. And it's amazing to me how many Christians believe it isn't gossip if it's true. Oh, yes, it is. I'm not kidding you. Just this last week, I was giving an oral report at a church out west, a big church. And when I was there interviewing people, I met a lady. She's in the Army. She interviewed with me, and she just went after something one of the pastors said that offended her like two years ago as part of a sermon. And I don't remember the details, and that doesn't matter. But what she did is she told me all about this. And so my obvious question is, did you ever go talk to that pastor that offended you? And the answer, of course, was no. So here's this lady speaking to me, a church doctor, a consultant, and she is gossiping about her pastor and doesn't know it. So because she had a lot of this in her interview with me, I decided I would not deal with it right then because my main role there was to help the church. So I chose intentionally to write a note that I would write to her an email afterwards and share with her and encourage her in a very soft and nice way that she should go to the person who offended her, in this case the pastor, who said something in a sermon that she either heard or he misspoke or she misunderstood or only God knows what happened. But the only way they're going to sort it out is to talk to one another. 
And that's the only Christian way to handle it. So I wrote her this really soft, nice recommendation that she really should go to the pastor and get it solved. When I got to the church for the oral report, we got there early so we could attend church, worship. She was waiting at the door from the parking lot. And she nailed me right away. And she said, I got your email. Thank you for that. I seem to need to apologize. Apparently, I didn't explain how bad this was. And I said, no, I think I understood how you were offended. But my point of my response to you was that you should just talk to the pastor. And she said, I don't have to. I know it was true. I just could not get through this woman's head. And she's not a, a person of low IQ. She's an intelligent, somewhat hard-nosed lady who just hasn't read her Bible on this issue. And I just struggle with Christians who ought to know better. People say it isn't gossip because I know it's true. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Gossip is when you say anything negative, anything bad about another person, and you say it to a third person or more that doesn't include that person. If you don't go to the person themselves, it is gossip, it is a sin, it is wrong, it is destructive, it is awful. And I can't believe how many Christians don't get that. Look, I get it. If someone offends you, you are tempted, very strongly tempted, to get it off your chest. You want to go to one of your friends, someone who will be sympathetic with you, someone who loves you, someone who cares about you, and you want to just dump on them. And share with them. Because you're going to feel better. Well, sometimes being a Christian is doing the right thing. Not abusing another person, a third person, to make yourself feel better. It's kind of self-centered when you think about it. But it happens. It happens all the time. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 18, 15-17. Matthew 18, verses 15 and 17. Look it up. Jesus says, If someone offends you, go to that person privately and talk to him or to her. End of statement. I just don't understand how we can screw this up. Now, I do know that some people that I've shared this with, instead of saying, well, I don't believe that's in the Bible, which most Christians don't want to agree to that, at least out loud, people balk on this idea, and they use the excuse, I hear it all the time, oh, yeah, but I personally don't like conflict. Let's get something straight, okay? Nobody 
likes conflict. If you like conflict, you should go see a counselor. There's something not right about the way you're wired, not healthy about who you are. It's normal to not like conflict. Jesus believes that the value of protecting other people is more important than your personal discomfort. If he was big on comfort, Jesus would have never gone to the cross, just for starters. It's not about what's easy. There's a lot about what's right that isn't easy. Nobody likes conflict if they're healthy emotionally. I've often wondered about prosecuting attorneys. And I have some really good close friends that are attorneys. I've had several over the years. I respect these people. They're smart. They study a lot. They do great work. But it's their job. And personally, if they were involved, if they're healthy people, they don't like conflict either. They're just doing a job. And you know what their job is? Prosecutors are civil servants, just like every civilian in a civilized country. Think about it. Being a civil person isn't about your comfort. It's about doing the right thing. To talk to anyone, I repeat, including your spouse, is gossip. Including your pastor is gossip. Including your boss is gossip. Including the principal of your school or your teacher is gossip. Going to anyone and talking about something that offended you from a third person, talking to anyone but that, third, that person that offended you is gossip. It is a sin, it is wrong, it is disruptive, it hurts people. Also, I want you to think about something else. Because when you gossip to someone, think about this. You are teaching them that it's okay to gossip. You are modeling to them something Jesus calls a sin, something the Bible calls a sin, something that's destructive. You are being a bad model. If you're a parent and you gossip about somebody to your kids, you are raising a future gossip that will hurt people for the rest of their lives by gossiping. This is serious business. You are literally contradicting a teaching of Jesus. You are modeling non-Christian behavior the opposite of what Jesus taught, if you gossip. Think about this, though. If you gossip to somebody, 
when you gossip, you are putting social pressure on the person you are gossiping to. Not only are you modeling bad behavior, but you're putting a pressure on them. Now they know know something. They something they shouldn't know. They know something they shouldn't know. So they know something they shouldn't have to worry about. And at the same time, you are also defaming the person you believe hurt you. There's a bundle of bad behavior, of sinful behavior in that scenario. It doesn't matter if you are 100% correct and factual about the issue. You are still sinning, according to Jesus, according to Scripture. Jesus also taught this. If you go to the person, do the right thing, and tell them what their fault is, what your challenge is, what hurt you, and the person refuses to repent, refuses to say, I'm sorry, refuses to apologize, then what do you do? Jesus has something to say about this also. Jesus says you are to return to that person again a second time with another respected Christian. It is implied that you would choose someone who is scripturally knowledgeable and another person who would be a witness to this issue. Now, some people believe Jesus implies that you should tell your side of the story to this witness before you even go to the person that hurt you. I don't think so. Because technically, you would be gossiping to your witness. So I think you should just say, hey, I've got a challenge. I need to go see this person. Jesus says we should take a witness. I'd like you to come along. I will repeat my story to the person, to their face. You will witness me doing that. You will witness their response. Technically, Jesus doesn't say you should prep the person who's going along. Now, perhaps the second person, this witness, could be there as you share. And don't you think that would be a little bit more fair? Wouldn't that be fair to that person and fair to the person who hurt you? Otherwise, wouldn't it feel like you're, they're being ganged up on? What would, be the, what would be the likelihood they would be defensive and the whole mechanism would be derailed? Think about it. I mean, it just makes sense. Now, what happens if the person who offended you still refuses to apologize to repent and you still can't figure out if it was just a misunderstanding or you know clear the air can't clear the air well the bible says on the third level the third attempt you should take it to the church quote unquote now what does that mean take it to the church well the bible doesn't say but i can tell you from the experience of consulting 
lots of churches and seeing a lot of these issues. If you take it to the whole church, even though it's the third try, how does that alienate the person, especially if they're part of the church? They might never show up at the church again. In fact, they might just write off God. They might write off church altogether. I mean, who would want to be embarrassed in front of the whole church? You know that church in Colorado that I spoke about before, that that scenario where the youth director uh, did some malpractice with one of the young people in the youth group, the pastor and the board decided to protect that person, even though they confronted that person and fired that person and told the person that they needed to get some counseling and prayed for that person and told that person that they hoped that he would get some counseling and, and find another job someday and and be restored, they didn't go to the whole church. Word get around to other churches, that person may never get a job, never have an opportunity, even if they were restored and repentant and forgiven. So what does it mean, take it to the church? Well, given all the teaching of Jesus and what he cares about people and love that he has for people, I think, that this means you should take it to someone who represents the church, like an elder or a staff person or a really small group of seasoned believers. And I think the seasoned believer part is most important. But you just can't go around discrediting someone behind their backs. Because if you do, that brings up another word a lot of people don't understand, and that's slander. If you say something that discredits another person in front of other people, that's slander. And when you slander, that's making false statements to someone damaging to a third person's character or reputation. And this is huge. This happens when people say, did you hear about Bob? Mary told me that Bob is an alcoholic. Well, how does that help Bob? Or how does that help anybody that you're talking to? When you were young, did you ever say or hear someone else say, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me? I heard that when I was a kid. <laughs> really? It ain't true. It just is absolutely a false statement. They do hurt. If they don't, there's something wrong with you. And what about labels? What about labels like alcoholic or gossip or the, the label womanizer or drug addict? Lots of labels. They all have names. If you spread them around, you undermine the character of another struggling person and... It undermines your character. And it doesn't help the person that you're telling. And it doesn't matter even if it's 100% true, 100% accurate. You could be totally correct, but because you are damaging another person's character, it is slander. So how does that work for politicians? Remember, politicians are, by definition, supposed to be polite. That's where we get the word politics. How does that work for talk show hosts? 
And how does that work for you? Now, there's a third item. That is, what if you put slanderous material damaging another person's character? What if you put it into writing? You know, like a, an email copied to people? That is called libel, and libel is illegal. You can go to court for libel. Libel is any false or malicious written or printed statement or any sign, picture, or effigy tending to express a person and expose them to public ridicule, hatred, or contempt, or to injure his or her reputation in any way. Wow. A slanderous email copied to other people is libel. A news magazine with an artist's depiction of a political figure on the cover, a rendering that reflects disrespect to that leader, that is committing libel. A humorous, disrespectful drawing of a teacher by a sixth grade student is committing libel. Can you see how civility and incivility are so important. Can you see how incivility is fracturing our society? People used to go to jail for slander and libel. Not much anymore. See where we're going here? Hollywood films, television shows frequently demonstrate gossip, slander, and libel. What are we teaching our future generations? When disrespectful parents raise children, those children grow up disrespecting others. They grow up disrespecting God, disrespecting the laws of the land, disrespecting their employer, and even perhaps their spouse. So what about the internet? <laughs> Could it be that humankind has become so brilliant that we can invent the internet, but we are so weak that we are not wise enough to use it properly. Consider the teachings of Jesus. How important are good churches to the future of our civilization? How important is the teaching of the Bible to a nation? You know, the Roman Empire could not be conquered. No army could threaten mighty Rome. But even Rome fell, and it was conquered by the greatest enemy incivility. Actually, Rome was never conquered by anybody. It conquered itself. Where are we going? What are we doing? Civil decay and spiritual dry rot can destroy a nation, an empire from the inside out. It can destroy a friendship. It can destroy a church. It can destroy a family. It can destroy a marriage. In the next episode, episode four, we'll look at the role of faith for the wholesome stability of a nation. How concerned are you about the future of our country? How important is it for your children, your grandchildren, to have lives beyond the drug culture, safe from mass shootings, suicides? How important is healthy respect? How important is it to be civilized? What is your level of hope for future generations? In the next episode, episode four, I will share 
some of the valuable lessons I've learned while writing the book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master. These are personal things that changed my life by studying this subject and writing this book. Writing this book changed several areas of my life. And my hope is, for those who read it, it will have some practical and positive impact on them as well. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.